Good morning to you, my dear listener, my cherished friend who always keeps your radio tuned to WMNF Tampa, the only station that they stream in Ulthar, and you can stream us as well at WMNF.org. There is nothing that I enjoy doing more on a lovely Monday morning than helping Dr. Harvey with the AMA show, the Ask Me Anything element of the Healthy Step show. And by golly, by gosh, to my elation, today is Ask Me Anything Monday. So, no fooling around now. You know what you got to do. If you have any medical questions or concerns, give us a call at 813-239-9663. Irene came in today to take your call, and believe you me, Irene is happier than a robin in the springtime sun every time she answers the phone. So, again, that number to call is 813-239-9663. And you can also send an email to dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. Good morning to you, Dr. Harvey. You know that it is not just simple Vatic utterings when I say that you are going to have a great show today. Ask Me Anything Monday always brings out great listeners with great questions. So let's crank this on up and get started. What have you got in store for us today, Dr. Fred? Good morning and happy Monday, Bill, and to all you healthy steppers out there. Thank you. It's a wonderful day in Florida and in our world. So many good things happening. So many uh, 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 really great things happening. You know, there's over a million um, non-government organizations out there working to uplift the fabric of society. I think that's fabulous. You know... This is um, Black History Month, but it's also uh, Heart Health Month. And there's a convergence amongst African-Americans and um, women's health, especially when it comes to heart health. Um, There's this huge disparity, actually, um, between um, actually what's recognized and and what's... um, really being, you know, well known about it. Um, Women tend to think less about heart disease than men do. Um, It is definitely more prevalent in men, um, but it's still the number one cause of death for all women. And there's a disparity between uh, blacks and whites in America um, in that the uh, death rate for um, heart disease related deaths um, is 30% higher. Uh, there's a relative risk of 1.3. It's 30% higher for both um, black men and women, black men and women. Um, high blood pressure is also um, more prevalent in blacks than whites um, between one and a half and and one uh, uh, between ten percent more and fifty percent more, um, essentially overall the total is again thirty percent higher um, across the board, and um, the percentage of people who have high blood pressure over eighteen years of age is is actually um, around. 35% in black and 28% in white. So it's, again, a 1.2 ratio, 20% more risk in the black population. And um, the number of people that have blood pressure under control is actually 
lower in blacks than whites and also high cholesterol. Uh, the amount um, is higher in uh, blacks than whites and um, overall, uh, or no, about the same actually. Um, um, and so what we're seeing, there's, there's an issue here in that um, for uh, people living in the same country, there's a disparity between their diseases and, 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 and how it affects them. And this has got a lot of different reasons. And one of them is um, actually poverty and nutrition. It's a combined, essentially. Um, the poverty overall, um, we know that there's asset difference, income difference, a vast difference in, in the resources of the African-American community here in America um, versus the white community. Uh, this does change, though, in rural America, where all uh, uh, all the bets are off. It, it, rural whites have a lot of the same kind of problems because they have also low access to nutrition, healthcare, education, etc. Um, much of rural America doesn't understand that the standard American diet is actually causing a lot of their heart disease. Um, they haven't quite got the message that sitting in front of the TV uh, all day long um, doesn't prevent heart disease. So there's a lot of simple things we can do, but food is a big thing. And and the comfort food for the African-American community actually has been discussed and shown to actually promote some of these illnesses because it's a high salt, high fat, high uh, carbohydrate diet. And those are not conducive to health in the African-American body. Um, because it evolved actually eating a higher protein, higher fiber, lower carbohydrate, uh, lower fat diet, and so and lower salt too. And so the the combinations of foods and soul food is actually really detrimental to the health of the African American body. And so they've actually done some really interesting work um, in studying this. Um, there's a really, uh, just to direct people though, for, for women and heart disease, there's a, a website called womenheart.org, women, W-O-M-E-N. And there's a really a lot of good connection on there for just learning about heart disease and how to actually deal with it and move away from it. Um, but, uh, Approximately 60% of black women ages 20 and older have cardiovascular disease, 60%. This is from the American Heart Association. 60% of black women have higher blood pressure. Only two in 10 have their blood pressure under control. So 60% have high blood pressure, 20% have it controlled. So that means that basically 50% of all black women have uncontrolled blood pressure. That's not a good situation because blood pressure is the silent killer. It causes heart disease, it causes kidney disease, it'll cause kidney failure. And it's education's a really big thing here. Only 40% of black women are aware, according to study, that chest pain can be a sign of heart attack. Only one in three black women recognize that pain spreading to the shoulder, neck, or arms is a potential sign of heart attack. And heart disease accounts for over one third of maternal deaths. Black women have some of the highest maternal mortality rates. Diabetes is also a problem in, in this group and, and, and tends to get worse. There has been education. 
there have been attempts. There, there, there's a study that I've researched um, promoting cardiovascular health in African-American women. They looked at 16 peer-reviewed articles and found that only five reported long-term intervention effects. Um, 11 of them had health outcomes, but five long-term out of 16. This is not good enough because it's long-term intervention effect that we need to have prevent the later life heart attacks, strokes, and other related cardiovascular diseases. And so we need to actually adapt this. Even some of these, uh, probably the ones that had, the five that had uh, long-term effects actually dealt with cultural tailoring and adaptation strategies. This is an issue, trying to figure out how to help someone who's cooked and lived a certain way their whole life to actually change that when in fact the culture supports all of the detrimental health activities. This is very difficult. It's like you know a smoker trying to quit smoking in a house full of smokers. It's almost impossible. And so we need better ways of actually educating black women about the heart disease and about the um, symptoms of heart disease. I mean, think about it. Uh, um, if you don't know that neck, jaw, shoulder, upper back or upper belly pain, often women will have some upper abdominal pain like indigestion instead of having chest pain. And so you have to be aware of this, shortness of breath, pain in one or both arms, nausea associated with this, sweating, anxiety, lightheadedness, dizziness, fatigue, and heartburn, as I mentioned. These are all possibilities. And things that can bring it on, diabetes is a predisposing factor along with toxicity. Um, emotional stress and specifically depression. Depression causes heart attacks. So if your mood is off, Find out why, get some help. It may be metabolic. Your mood could be off because you're on the verge of a heart attack. Your vascular system is upset and it's not functioning well. Smoking, obviously, fortunately, smoking is going down rapidly. We're only down to like 10% of Americans that smoke. Unfortunately, there's a bunch of people that are using those uh, nicotine vapes, which are really not much better um, because we know it's the nicotine and the other PARs and other things in there that actually cause some of the problems. Sedentary behavior, we know that kills. Menopause, once you lose your estrogen, you don't have the estrogenic cardiac protective effect, and so you're at higher risk. And uh, pregnancy complications I mentioned, family history is really important. And uh, so are inflammatory diseases because they set you up for the problems. And I would like to continue the conversation with all of you about um, uh, women with heart disease, black people with heart disease, and what we can do about it. And I believe that we have callers. Yes, uh, we're going to bring some people on in. I've got Nina and Alex on the line here, but I want to do a couple things. One is I remember a long time ago I read an interview with Stephen King, and he made the comment that I'm 76 years old and I have the heart of a young man, and I keep it on my bookshelf. And I'm also going to give on out the phone number to participate in today's show. You are listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. The topic today is Ask Me Anything, so splurge. Give us a call at 813-239-9663 or continue sending your emails to dj at wmnf.org. Let's go to Nina in Sarasota. Good morning, Nina. Good morning. 
Hi, Nina. Hi, Dr. Harvey. Um, great uh, topic. Um, I had a question other than women's hearts real quick, but I did want to ask you to repeat that website you uh, mentioned, uh, Women Heart something. Yes, it's W-O-M-E-N-H-E-A-R-T dot org. Dot org. Okay, great. Um, okay. And uh, I just wanted to ask real quick, um, I'm concerned about my um, son has these welts that have been out on his back for, for several months, works a lot, several, finally went to a dermatologist and they took a biopsy, haven't heard back from that. But I'm thinking that maybe it's a food allergy. I was wondering if an allergist would, well, who would be appropriate for him to maybe do food allergy testing or what were your thoughts on that? I mean, they kind of fade a little, but they go right. They come right back. Sometimes they're bright red, and then sometimes they fade. It's the weirdest thing. Well, they could be a bunch of different things. Um, um, it could be hives. Um, yeah, that's kind of what you know, they look like. And um, but if they are there in the same spot all the time, ongoing, that could be a uh, T cell infiltration of the skin. Um, and that T cells are white blood cells. They may be uh, causing this problem. Um, so I would I would definitely wait for the biopsy diagnosis. But in the meantime, um, food allergies don't tend to cause this kind of uh, reaction. Um, the and so an allergist isn't probably the person to help you with that aspect of it. Um, but it, it when you get flares like that, it means there's obviously an inflammatory trigger going on in the body. Um, it could be a, an activation of the allergy cells, the mast cells, because they reside in the skin and wow. they actually are the source of hives. But chronic okay. mast cell activation happens in people that have chronic toxic exposures like uh -huh. uh, chronic um, um, post-infectious inflammation syndromes like Lyme or COVID or yeah. reactions to mold or to uh, mycotoxins and metal toxins and petrochem toxins. Right. So, so um, a workup is in in order, I think. Okay. So would you would you say recommend someone like you, a functional medicine doctor, or his primary doctor could? Well, you know? I think if you get a diagnosis um, that yeah. is treatable from the dermatologist, you probably have an answer right. there. But you probably okay. would benefit from having a functional medicine doctor look at the whole case and help uh, redirect some of the lifestyle to reduce this kind of reactivity. Okay, good idea. Okay, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Nina. Bye-bye. Yeah, thank you very much there, Nina. And let's go to Alex and Brandon. Good morning, Alex. Hey there, can you hear me? Yes, Alex. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Excellent. What's on your mind? Uh, I was just listening in to your conversation, um, bringing in the articles of, you know, about how diet has affected the health of you know, African-American women. Um, I had two questions about that. Is that A, are those articles based off of studies in America or is that an international study? Um, frankly, I don't recall, um, but I do recall an excellent conversation that was on NPR uh, about uh, 15 to 20 years ago um, where they were specifically discussing soul food and how um, the nature of the food uh, relates to the African-American physiology. And uh, we have enough evidence that um, uh, from, you know, you know, medical uh, uh, science that shows how 
different the metabolism is related to salt and vitamin D and uh, so many things uh, associated with the that physiology. Um, that sub-Saharan African physiology has a, a bit of a different way of dealing with calories because of the nature of um, their eating over over millennia. And so, I, honestly, I don't have a specific article today to refer to with that um, uh, topic. Um, I didn't pull those out. I was just looking at actually all the stats on heart disease. Okay, and I also had a follow-up on that just because I wanted to know if like socioeconomic status was taken into consideration when you know curating these articles, just because historically, specifically in America, minorities, including African Americans and Hispanics, falling on the lower end of that socioeconomic spectrum, you know, just don't typically have the access to higher quality foods. You know, it's more so a matter of what you can get which, you know, in turn affects how the diet plays out in the body, you know what I mean? And I wanted to see if that was also taken into consideration, like if, you know, certain members of this demographic who do have access to maybe higher quality foods, better ingredients, stuff like that, if these same problems are still persisting. Um, Yeah, you're talking about two different subjects. And uh, yes, nutrition and lifestyle interventions is a a way to actually mitigate risk, but... Um, yes, there's definite evidence out there that food deserts contribute to poor health and that access to high quality whole food does reduce those risk and improve health. But, um, and, and so socioeconomic status most definitely has an effect on this, but I'm, I'm looking at the core issue of, uh, really, uh, education in that black women, aren't as aware of this problem because of education um, and that um, because of culture, education about the foods isn't really readily available. And so we have a whole cultural shift here that needs to occur across the board. And part of it is also a societal governmental shift away from considering people that actually need government help as parasites and suckers off society to actually understand that they're just like all the rest of us. They just didn't have the opportunities and sharing with them will actually uplift all of us. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, I I completely agree with that. It's, you know, I understand what you're saying, that it is a cultural thing, um, but there also has to be a reason as to why that is. It's not just because these people do these things. Like, there has to be a reason as to why that culture was curated in the first place. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's right. that's inherent in the argument, I think, that, yes, we've, we've spent 400 years of uh, in an American apartheid, and it hasn't really shifted other than the fact that the slaves right. get paid a little bit. Right, right. Um, but, but, yeah, definitely the biggest factor, you are correct, educating, you know what I mean? Getting people aware, don't leave people in the dark about these things, because they are people, and ultimately we need to do what's best for all of our people regarding their... Right, if, and, and here in Florida, we, here in Florida we live in an education desert, and the people aren't aware because our government absolutely wants education to fail. I mean, come on, we're like 46th or 47th in the nation and we've got the third biggest population and the most, you know, the most money people moving here. And so we're starving our poor people of education purposefully. That's what this state's about. Apartheid. Mm -hmm. It's apparent. (laughs) 
Speak that truth, brother. Speak that truth. So, my friend, uh, yes, it is uh, a real issue that we need to deal with culturally and accept that we are responsible for the situation and change it. All we need to do is just change our approach and stop thinking that that our brethren are, are parasites, that it's it's actually proud to be a multimillionaire that hoards your money. Come on. Right. Right. <laughs> all right. That's all the questions I had for you guys. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Beautiful. Have a great day. You too, my man. And thank you, Alex. And thank you, Nina. We've had a couple of good callers to start today, but just a couple. So I'm going to give on out the phone number and invite you to give a call to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. The topic is Ask Me Anything. So as it says, ask anything. Just give a call to 813-239-9663. Irene's waiting to take your call. And you can continue sending emails to dj at wmnf.org. And back to you there, Dr. Harvey. Hey there. I have one email so far. Uh, it is from Mark. And he says, good morning. I'm a 56-year-old man that hasn't had regular visits to a primary doctor in many years. When I do see a doctor, what types of tests should I be seeking? That is a really broad question. <laughs> but um, basically, you know, if you want screening tests, I think that you can start with the standard kinds of tests, like a complete blood count to look to see what your whether you have anemia, whether your white blood cells are in the right ratios and the right amounts, whether your platelets are there. And a comprehensive metabolic panel, which looks at the basic chemistries of sugar and kidney function and liver function and electrolytes. And then you want to look at a lipid test. And you don't want just a standard cholesterol. You want to have a more advanced cholesterol test that actually will break it down into the types of particles that are present because that actually is how the metabolism really works with the cholesterol. And um, you probably want to get a nice glucose uh, or actually a, a whole uh, insulin pancreatic sugar system evaluation by getting a hemoglobin A1C, a blood glucose, and a insulin level. The combination will help understand your uh, sugar carbohydrate metabolism and whether you have insulin resistance, which is a contributor to illness. And then you want to get a uric acid level. Uric acid reflects your metabolism of the DNA actually in the body and also reflects uh, toxicity that can be coming from excess uh, fructose sugar or alcohol and it's a reflection of vascular inflammation. Um, I think it is really good to get a multivitamin test. I use one from Vibrant America called the micronutrient test. It looks at all of your vitamins and minerals and fats in both the uh, liquid portion of the blood and in the cellular portion of the blood to give us an idea of what's going on inside and outside the cells. And it really gives us a great idea of uh, what's going on um, in your overall metabolism. Then you can add to that, uh, I think for most people, especially if you're over 50, check the thyroid. Um, a TSH is a, a test of the pituitary controlling the thyroid. You also need to have a T4 and a T3. Those are the thyroid hormones. 
Um, and it, it may behoove someone who's over 50 to also look at testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, and DHEA to look at the sex hormones and see how uh, the adrenals are holding up. Well, that's have- a pretty good baseline. And so um, that's a place to start. I think we do have some callers, though, don't we? We absolutely do. I've got bases loaded, actually, and one in the box. I've got uh, Rianne, David, Natalie, and Christina. I um, hope I'm pronouncing uh, Rier's name correctly. Good morning, Rier. Yes, is this is A-R-I, Ari? Can you hear me? Yes. Uh-huh. It's, it's Ari? Yes, A-R-I. It's a nickname. Oh, hi, Ari. Uh, Hello, uh, I am from, well, I I just want to give you my background, and the thing is, is that um, thank you for doing this call for us. Um, I just heard um, the telephone number, so I had a call right away. Anyways, I've been tired quite a bit. I am an active 40-plus woman who is a Latina. My mother's Puerto Rican, and my dad's from Central America. I have three children. The oldest is 12 and the youngest is two years old. And I have a nine-year-old. I am active. I walk at least a mile every day. But I'm, I'm busy. So when I lay my head down on, the, on my pillow, I'm done. But my husband would say, why are you always tired? Why do you always need a nap? And he's like, should you have some vitamins or something? Because. But I think because I'm overall my environment, I'm just just busy, and I'm I'm a full time mom too. Meaning full time, I work full time up in the house and out the house as well. So, what kind of for active woman like myself, uh, who's Hispanic, is um, what are some tests should I do, and what it and who or what area? Do I um, make the first step to have these tests done? I'm concerned about going to the medical uh, offices, the ones that are like they see you for two minutes, give you blood work, and move on. So uh, there is one that I heard um, where they do the comprehensive testing, even your mental um, you know, how are you mentally and everything? So what would be my first step or what should I do? Um, yeah, that's a pretty broad question, but fatigue is a challenge for many people. And in a um, mid-40s, uh, three-times mom who works, um, I think um, fatigue is something that could easily occur. Um, first things first, do you get restful sleep? I do. I do. Good. So as long as you've accomplished that, then we need to start looking metabolically. And I think the list of tests that I just uh, uh, described is uh, probably a good place to start. But for a woman who's had children, I would suggest also getting Hashimoto's antibodies, the anti-thyroglobulin and anti-tissue peroxidase antibodies that are associated with the autoimmune disease Hashimoto's that attacks the thyroid. Many women have it, and it seems to happen after um, having given birth. And um, um, also, many of us don't get enough iodine in our diets. If you're not eating sea vegetables like seaweed and you're not uh, eating much fish, you might actually be iodine deficient if you're not using iodized salt. Do you use iodized salt? 
I think I do. I got to check. But no, no, not so often. No, I don't. I don't. <clears throat> so um, I just recommend for most of my clients that do cook at home, um, boiling some rice or boiling some pasta or potatoes or whatever, use iodized sea salt. Um, actually, I'm, I'm looking at an email. Someone bought a bag of red man sea salt. I think it's um, a uh, uh, from a uh, Australia. But um, <clears throat> I don't use straight up um, sea salt because it doesn't have any iodine in it. And uh, there are several manufacturers that you can get locally um, at health food stores and at um, local groceries. You can find uh, iodized sea salt. So that'd be a really good way to just add iodine in. But <clears throat> I think also uh, getting that thyroid assessed with a complete thyroid test, the TSH, the free T3, the free T4, and the thyroid antibodies, that will give you a really good idea of whether that's a problem. So let me ask this. Uh, a few months ago, I did have that test, but it was through the dermatologist. And the results were uh, normal, nothing, no, nothing to follow up on. But is it that the dermatologist test is looking for a different level of thyroid? than what you're recommending? No, they're, they're probably looking at your thyroid function. They may have just done a TSH. I don't know if they did anything else. Um, the mm -hmm. TSH is not sufficient to evaluate thyroid function. And they probably didn't do the Hashimoto's antibodies. Most doctors don't unless they're asked to do so. But you and could have you, other... Uh, I'm sorry. Go could ahead. you uh, clarify what this Hashi... Um, antibody is, or I can look at it. I, I just did the, the TPO okay. and the TG antibodies. Um, those are the ones that look for that autoimmune disease that happens in many women after they've had childbirth. So, mm -hmm. um, and that would make a more subtle change with the thyroid and having a broader thyroid panel helps you understand better what's going on with the thyroid. Um, if you don't order the whole thing, you don't understand that you might be having some other metabolic issues. And now I think that it's worth it to actually, again, look at that group of labs that I mentioned for the gentleman that um, wanted his annual lab list. Um, I think that it's worth mm -hmm. it to look at the rest of your hormones and also to look at your blood count and your chemistries and your vitamin levels. You may have some vitamin deficiencies, but you could also mm -hmm. start with just adding a really good quality B uh, complex vitamin and or a good multivitamin with good multiminerals in it and see if that begins to lift you up. Uh, there's so many out there. How do I know which one is the right one? And in addition to, I have started uh, taking uh, the egg membrane. Uh, I don't know if you know that where the eggshell, the little, the little skin of it inside. I've been ingesting that. Do you okay. have any feedback regarding that? Um, about uh, uh, the nutrients of that, do you know of? Um, it's a protein, and, and I, I've, I've read somewhere, somebody was talking about egg membranes. I'm not sure what in context with, but um, if you haven't noticed the difference, I'd say move on. Okay. And how long do I continue to not notice the difference? I, I don't know. I don't know. If you haven't noticed a shift in a couple of weeks of adding a new food, I'd say you're probably not getting much difference out of it. Um, okay. but, uh, yeah, you may want to actually, um, um, uh, look at, well, actually another question is you do walk every day. So you actually get exercise. Um, it's possibly, um, yeah, I'm, I'm still going back to thyroid for some reason. Uh, but I think a, a broader, uh, evaluation from a functional medicine doctor could be really useful. Okay. I don't, my, I have 
my cholesterol levels, blood pressure levels are good. I do have good. a history of uh, um, high heart disease. My mother has uh, high blood pressure and cholesterol, but she has maintained that and is off, no longer uh, an issue for her, an, is, an issue for her. So oh, good. You did that. And um, thank you for the comments that you made about low areas, low income areas. I was from a low income area, um, but back in the 80s in Miami, we had to take a multiple bus just to go mm. to the offices to get our checks, to get our cheats, to get our milks, and then come back, multiple buses to come back home. And that's in Miami. And here in Tampa, it's very, it's hard to find. Uh, good yes. food here, good nutritious food, and um, you know we're so convenient to having our chain grocery store just down the street that we don't look to go any further than that. And I think sometimes we're comfortable. And is and you're right, we think that sitting and watching TV is what keeps us healthy, and it's not. I mean, so true. And you know, um, sustainable. The Sustainable Living Group, uh, th those folks have actually um, talked on a previous show about this wonderful network of um, sustainable growers, people that grow food on their patios and in their backyards and then other organic farms have gotten together to form sort of a consortium that I, I understand uh, is helping people access fresh local organic produce. Right. And I did see and. uh like some that we could grow ourselves. There's, I, I just happened to look at, went to Walmart and they have onions that you can grow or it's already started and you could just finish the rest at home. So there's things that we can do at home and have the cost of those items be lessened for us because so we true. grow it ourselves. We have an abundance to where we have to give it away. Right. Yes. So you know, um, America won World War II with something called the Victory Garden. The Victory Garden was developed because we were starving. We were sending all our food across the ocean to support the war effort. And so we got as many people as possible to grow food at home. If we do that again, we will turn around America. America will become healthy. It will really make America greater than it is now. We don't need to make it great again. It already is great. We just need to actually get it to continue growing in the right direction. And Victory Gardens are gonna help us do that. Grow food at home. I think you're right. Uh, you're right. Thank you so much for your time. You're so welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, yes. I've got uh, Dave, Natalie, and Christina that have been waiting. So let's go to Dave and Parrish. Good morning, Dave. Hey, uh, after that last call, I feel kind of silly, but about a year ago, I asked you about 90% of my water comes from LaCroix water. You said it was no problem. Is it still the same way? Hmm. Um, it, it's expensive. It's um, environmentally not sound. So um, I think having your own filter makes a lot more sense. I can't argue with that. But I was just wondering health-wise. It's still water, but then again, it's been packaged by somebody else, and we know what happens at packaging plants, and stuff happens. And I'm not sure what's inside that can besides water. <laughs> okay. All right. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Okie dokie. Let's go to Natalie calling all the way from Ohio. Good morning, Natalie. Good 
Good morning. Thank you so much for uh, presenting that uh, information on uh, African-American women's uh, health. I'm still going through the trauma of my mom passing away a few months ago from a oh, I'm sorry. stroke. She um, could not re- get her blood pressure regulated. It was like in the 200s. Wow. And so um, I knew the kind of danger she was in at the time. And so I was wondering if you could tell me what... Um, how uh, oats um, helps uh, improve your good cholesterol and how your good cholesterol um, affects your blood pressure in a healthy way because that's what I was recommending to her and she was stubborn and refused and now she's gone. Um, So... Uh, yes, you know I, I know about trying to educate parents about things that would be a good health choice. <laughs> I have um, actually given up, and it's easier just to be there to support. Um, but in the in the interim, um, things that people who are motivated to make changes can do, um, there's lots. And, and cholesterol and blood pressure aren't directly related, but they are both reflective of vascular health. So cholesterol goes up when you have damage to the lining of your blood vessels. I look at cholesterol like spackle for the arteries. So if you have high sugar, or you smoke nicotine, or you drink too much alcohol, or you have vitamin deficiencies, and don't eat a good diet, and you basically irritate and sandpaper with these toxins, the insides of your arteries, you need something to keep your blood inside the vessels. So your body spackles it with cholesterol. High cholesterol means that you've got an ongoing vascular inflammation. And so if you want to get the cholesterol lower, you do things that are going to help with your vascular inflammation, because that's really the key here. Cardiovascular disease is a symptom of toxicity long term. And so how do we fix that? Well, we drink lots of water, get good half ounce per pound of body weight daily just to flush out the toxins. You want to exercise every day, 20 to 30 minutes. That helps to pump around the toxins so your body can actually take them to the liver and the kidneys and excrete them. And you want to eat a diet that's limited in toxins. So you want to eat whole foods, shop the periphery of the grocery store, eat five to eight servings of vegetables, one to three servings of fruits, and um, maybe 10 ounces of protein a day. These things will really help. Um, You want to avoid smoking, obviously. You want to take a good multivitamin that has vitamin C and activated Bs. And you want to make sure you're getting iodine to support your um, thyroid. And you want to make sure you're getting fish oil to support the lipid fraction of your body and and reduce uh, inflammation and take vitamin D. Uh, We don't get enough time outside and vitamin D has some really good properties. So these are all things you can do to help step down that risk of heart disease and also risk of high cholesterol. Hmm. 
because I, I know that she, when she ate oats every morning, she did not have a uh, bad high cholesterol problem. Yeah, then, oats are wonderful. But then she started complaining about the texture, and I'm not sure if she realized how much danger she was in with blood pressures in the 200s. No, actually, most people don't. That's one of the big educational gaps we have here is that people don't understand what their risk actually is from what's going on with them because you can't feel high blood pressure. No, no, you can't. And um, But, yeah, I, um, I was just wondering, you know, this whole thing with uh, controlling the, the blood pressure you know what? Um, I I know salt is a major major uh, factor, and so um, I know uh, staying away from high salty foods. Um, well, you know what? Most of those high salty foods are processed foods. So if you eat whole and cook yourself, um, I bet you would be if you took a teaspoon. There's a test for everybody listening today. Take a teaspoon of salt and put it in a bowl. Keep it in your kitchen. And for a day, see if during your cooking and eating, you use that whole teaspoon of salt. I would bet you don't. I've even tried cooking uh, certain foods without salt, but it just didn't taste right. So, right. You know, there's I no reason the to salt, n- there's no reason to not use salt, but there's a reason to not do added. Think about it. If you do one of those packaged, frozen, organic, healthy meals from a woman's name, I won't even name name her. She's everywhere. Um, but um, they have one serving. One burrito has like a, a 800 or a thousand milligrams of sodium in it. Oh my goodness. Yeah, make your own. You can do it with only 300 milligrams or, or less. Mm. So it's about really doing home cooking. That we, we, uh, people have forgotten how to home cook. They live in convenience world. And, and, and we're all stressed and have to run, run, run to the next thing. Take a breath. Cook a meal. Eat it with family. Share the love. It reduces risk of heart attack. Definitely, definitely. And then the, um, as I was listening to you um, and you were talking about the situation with folks who are in food deserts and don't have access to vegetables, I um, have heard of some uh, folks starting small vegetable gardens in food deserts. Yes. um, That has seemed to help significantly. So I was thinking perhaps if the SBA uh, part of their budget is to perhaps start giving incentives to those folks that start that small vegetable gardens. That's a brilliant idea. Why don't you get a letter written today to your congressman to tell them and to the FDA to get on it? (laughs) <laughs> but in the meantime, I have some more callers, so I'm going to move on. And you have a lovely week. Okay, you do too. Take care. Thanks. Okay, good there, Natalie. And let's go to Christina in St. Pete. Good morning, Christina. Good morning, Dr. Harvey. Good morning. Um, 
So, so a couple months ago, I called and um, I had mentioned that my cousin has colon cancer, and you suggested a few things for him to do uh, that might work well in conjunction with his chemo and whatnot. And um, recently, he just told me that he's stage four. Now, he was diagnosed with colon cancer sometime in 2022. He's been going through multiple rounds of chemo and has had some uh, a few surgeries. Uh, he's got about, I just spoke to him yesterday, he's got about another few months few more months to go. You had mentioned L-glutamine powder, um, one teaspoon of that four times a day. I just wanted to make sure these things are still good to do with where he's at now. Um, L-glutamine supports everyone. Okay. Critical amino acid. Excellent. Okay. And then you mentioned a product that I, I think I wrote it down the wrong, drainage or drain something. Uh, yeah, drainage or drainer. It's a homeopathic remedy. Um, you can get it at the um, healthystepsstore.com. Um, <clears throat> and uh, it is a homeopathic remedy that tells your body to just dump toxins. Okay, excellent. Healthysteps.com. Um, and then you said vitamin C infusions are good to help suppress future cancer growth. Yes, um, and also current cancer growth. It interferes with its ability to utilize the glucose that it needs to thrive. Excellent. Excellent. And how many would he do of uh, vitamin C IV once a week or? That's generally what I have people do. Okay. Because it's a, it's a big IV um, and they have to be, you have to be tested with a test called the G6 PD test to make sure your blood cells can tolerate high dose C, but a hundred grams goes in over about four hours. Okay. Wonderful. Um, and then you mentioned curcumin might be a, a good thing. Uh, curcumin, resveratrol, pterostilbean, green tea extract called epigallocatechin gallate, um, uh, oncoplex, uh, sulforaphane glucosinolate, amazing stuff. All, all these things are great for cancer. Okay, wonderful. And eight organic servings of vegetables a day. And, and should he avoid any specific, obviously processed food, but any specific whole food sources that he maybe should avoid? Just added sugar. Yeah, no added sugar. Okay. Okay. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Harvey. Go. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Let's come back across the bay. I've got uh, Mitchell in Tampa with a question. Good morning, Mitchell. And we're down to about 10 more minutes of the show. Take it away. Good morning. Uh, I want to ask uh, Dr. Harvey, could I go to a health store and drag that Omega XL off the shelf? Because I saw it on television. I don't believe anything on TV hard. I don't buy anything off television. But I was That's a smart thing because they're all selling stuff you probably don't need. But what was the product that you're questioning? Uh, could I go to a health store and grab that Omega XL? off the shelf? Uh, how would I get that? Um, o- omega-3 f- uh, fatty acids, um, fish oil. Um, I would look for <clears throat> a fish oil from a reputable company, one that actually states that it's been tested for cleanliness so that there's no mercury, <clears throat> no petrochemical toxins, no rancid fats. Okay. And um, some of the better companies out there are Carlson, Nordic, Zymogen, um, and so look for branded product.
from big companies like that. My, my favorites on the general health food store shelf, Carlson from Norway. They've been doing this for years. Um, uh, they use Norwegian oil and so does uh, Nordic Naturals. Oh, okay. All right. Thanks. So you can find a good one on the Healthy Steps store also. Healthy Steps? Yes. Oh, okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, we do have a couple of more minutes here, so I'm going to give on out the number one more time and encourage you to give a call to 813-239-9663 or continue sending the emails to dj at wmnf.org. And lo and behold, I've got David from Lakeland on the line. Good morning, David. Hey, good morning. How's it going? Hey, David. Awesome. Hey, so I have this um, kind of debacle where... I'm told that, or I mean, I know, or I have a point of view of that fruit, a fruit, sugar from a fruit is healthier, but then there, there's a case for, for saying that a soda can is, is healthier, the sugar from there. So I haven't done my proper research to find the information to translate that to the person as an argument. Maybe you could help me out with like an easy, you know, obvious uh, answer to this argument. What is the argument again? That a sugar from a fruit is not healthier than sugar from a soda can. So, like, a soda can essentially is healthier. <clears throat> well, sugar is sugar is sugar. And right. excess sugar causes problems. So, if you're doing lots of fruit juice, you're in the same kind of risk. Actually, maybe even worse than if you're doing um, soda. However, high fructose... Corn syrup is what most soda is made with today, so it actually puts it on par with fruit juice. Fructose evades insulin. Fructose causes a lot of problems with inflammation that otherwise you wouldn't experience. So eating fruit a couple pieces a day is a good thing. Drinking fruit juice is the same as drinking soda. And so drinking your calories is not something that humans actually have ever done in our evolutionary history. This is a modern American convenience thing where they package calories in bottles and uh, sell them for high prices in order to create health challenges for people who consume these poisonous products. How's that? Did that answer your question? Yes. Yeah, that answered my question. I think that was very detailed. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. All right. We've gone dark here and just a few minutes left, so I'm going to let you hit what few re emails we've gotten today there, Doctor. Bueno, I will do that. Here I have one from Mary. <clears throat> she says, hi, I had COVID in July. Lasted four weeks. Since then, joint inflammation is persistent, especially in elbows and in the ulnar nerve. Uh, that's the, er the nerve that goes down to your little finger in your hand. Um, had a fall on elbow two years ago, but this feels much more inflamed now. Could uh, uh, I think that COVID inflammation hasn't completely left the body. Um, and I would agree with you, Mary. It's a quite strong possibility that that is going on here. <clears throat> and the website is called covidlonghaulers.org, covidlonghaulers.org. And um, they actually developed a really great test to see if you do have the likelihood of chronic COVID. 
And so, um, yeah, that's a good way to approach it. Uh, let's see, Pamela says, hi, I know you've discussed magnesium before in different types. I see three different types at Walgreens. What would I recommend uh, for a 60-year-old woman who's a breast cancer survivor? Well, I think uh, uh, magnesium is great at any time. Uh, magnesium oxide is a great laxative, as is magnesium citrate. Magnesium glycinate is a well-absorbed magnesium that actually can cause some relaxation. So it's great for bedtime. And that's the one I would choose, magnesium glycinate or magnesium bisglycinate. Jeff says, I heard you mention food deserts, and it is disturbing. There's a particular grocery franchise in America that seems to sell healthy foods at affordable prices, but it seems they have a tendency to only locate their stores in areas where people have higher incomes. I don't know if you can mention the franchise on the air. I was wondering what the public can do about that kind of situation. Well, I'm not sure which one you're referring to, but yes, that happens quite a lot. And we don't see uh, better stores in poor neighborhoods. And um, I liked what was said on the previous show. We need to stop talking about the working class or the blue collar worker. It's BS. Why don't we just talk about the impoverished? It's true. Let's just let's make it clear. The poor people, the ones that work hourly at really crappy jobs for low wages. Yeah, let's just call it what it is. And then we can deal with it in a more constructive manner. Robin, send us a poem. I want to finish with it. Sometimes all you can do is just sit and watch the show, even though you don't like how it's going and you know, you won't like the ending. The show is called Life. So you can't get, you can't just get up and walk out. Well, you could, but that would be rude. So you keep watching, clapping at the good parts, crying at the sad until it's all over and there's nothing left to do but to get up and leave. <laughs> so true. Have a great day. Hey, uh, uh, Bill, thanks for doing your excellent production. Irene, thanks for fielding all of our wonderful callers. And thank you, callers, for being so interesting and engaging and calling in to actually talk about health. Keep stepping healthfully. Until next week. Absolutely. And the thanks goes on out to you there, Dr. Harvey, for another wonderful show. And again, out to our callers and our listeners, stay healthy. And Irene, you're the greatest. You have been listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Coming on up is five minutes of NPR news and then strap in and get ready for the Sustainable Living Show hosted by the absolutely phenomenal team of Annie Ellis and Tanya Vidovic. Until next Monday at 10 a.m., thank you for listening and supporting the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa, your community-conscious radio station. Stay safe, stay thoughtful, and know that you are loved. Mm-hmm.